friends, and welcome to the Friends of a Feather podcast. I'm your host, Ren, and I'm so glad you're here for a very special episode. But usually, I get to chat with a friend who has a story to tell, a dream that she's pursuing, or a passion to share with you. Today, my guest is my husband, Jim. We have been chatting about doing something special for the 50th episode, and we get to talk about our story, um, walking through infertility and walking through some hard moments and also encouraging moments during that journey. We also talk about my going back to work and how that was a struggle, but how God's delay is never God's denial. We talk about so much. So here you go. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Jim and Wren podcast show. (laughs) I love it. Tonight, we're going to talk about Wren mostly, maybe just a little bit of Jim. (laughs) No, we can talk about both of us. All right, let's get down to business and talk a little bit about us. We've been married for 15 years, almost. and This month, the end of this month. The end of this month. Yeah. And let's talk a little bit about our personalities, because... You're very different than me. <laughs> yes. How? Um, so, you know, I used to think I was an extrovert, but recently I have realized that I'm more of an ambivert, which is an introvert, but has extrovert tendencies. <laughs> if you are a good friend of mine, you're going to think I'm an extrovert for sure. If I'm comfortable with you, I'm an extrovert. If I don't know you, I'm an introvert. You know, I like to kind of go with the flow about things. Laid back. Laid back. And I tend to be on the messy side of things. I'm not super, uh, I'm super creative, I feel like, but I'm very much, um, I get distracted easily being a creative. Um, And that is quite different than you. All right. How would you say that I am? (laughs) Totally opposite. Totally. Um, Very structured. Um, very to the point, very, very strong leader. So recently we just took the Enneagram personality test. I'm always about, let's take the test. Um, and it came out that you are Enneagram one and I'm an Enneagram nine. Nine is the peacemaker. One is the one that's like the motivator that gets things done, that's driven. And so it was totally us to a T. So Anyway, that's us. So we'll talk a little bit about um, how naive we were in thinking about starting a family. Mm-hmm. I remember that I had it time to where you being a teacher, you would be able, we would be able to get pregnant at this certain month, and it would work out to where mm-hmm. you know you would be out of school in the summer when you gave birth to the baby, and you'd have mm-hmm. uh, time to be off with the baby before you went back to school. Yes. And, well, and I think you timed it where I was going to have the baby in like April, so I would use up my, my maternity leave, but then it would run into... Right. We had this whole family Oh, we had a five-year plan. Worked out, and, um, and then <laughs> five years later, we look back and we're like, hmm, something's not quite right. <laughs> and so we tried to have a baby on our own for about three and a half years be- before we got pregnant. But um, the first year, you know, everybody just says, just try. And if it hap- doesn't happen in a year, go see a doctor. Well, I didn't want to go see a doctor um, at all, at all. And because um, Jim is so good because he wanted me to um just to see what was wrong and he didn't pressure me or anything he just let me have my time to kind of work through it and 
if it wasn't for him and a good friend of mine, Stacy, um, that encouraged me to go to the doctor, I, I wouldn't have gone. So how did it feel each and every month that uh, you weren't pregnant? You know, it was really hard. Um, you know, at first it was fine. I was like, it's going to happen. It's not a big deal. Um, but after we went to the doctor and he said, well, it's unexplained. There's nothing to explain. Um, we can do this, you know, different things and um, medicine. And then um, went into an IUI, which is an in-uterine insemination. And then also I had to take shots eventually to get pregnant um, with our five-year-old. But it was just, every month was just, I would say, lonely and not lonely away from you. Like, I feel like we grew together a lot during that time. But I felt like just the both of us with a lot of people around us having babies. And um, it just felt very lonely, I think, as a couple. Um, uh, we felt that way. Well, particularly because I don't think anyone uh, we felt and no one could understand exactly what uh, we were going through. And that's, and that's really a lot of it because we didn't tell, we didn't share it with anybody except for our parents um, and a couple close friends, but we didn't share it with anybody for a while. And we had not really known anybody, any of our friends that really struggled with this. Everybody was very, this was in 2012, no, 2010, and it wasn't really as talked about as it is now. So I was just sitting here thinking of a, of a time during that time and... It was with two close, really close friends of ours that we had done things with, and, and they didn't have kids, and we didn't have kids, and we went out one night and uh, to dinner, and after dinner, our, our thing was to go and have dessert somewhere. Yeah. And so we had went to a restaurant for dessert, because that's what single people do for <laughs> dinks. Uh, dinks with... Uh, with no kids. Double income, no kids. And uh, so we that was our thing. We would go have a progressive dinner, and, and we always <laughs> ended up somewhere at dessert. But that particular fun. night, we I remember we shared with them that we had been trying for some time to, to get pregnant. And, uh, and we found out later they were pregnant, and they were going to tell us that night that they were pregnant. But mm-hmm. after we shared the, the, the heartache story of, of, of what we were going through, they... They just knew that that it just wasn't the right timing to to tell us. Um, and you know that brings me to tears right now because I'm thinking of how joyful they were that they were pregnant and that how they um, were hitting each other under the table to cue the other one not to say a word about their joyful news just because they were saving our feelings and um, that just gets me thinking about it. Well, tell me about uh, the Kroger parking lot moment. You know, um, we had been trying for um, a while, and we had gone to the doctor, and we had had a lot of failed IUIs, the uh, inseminations, and um, we had a couple, I think a couple failed ones because we got pregnant on the fourth one. Um, but I remember going to Kroger and it was like everywhere I turned, there was a little sweet baby, um, in his mama's arms or, 
um, or a baby in the in the um, shopping cart, and it was never the baby that was screaming, crying, give me this candy bar, which, you know, now you notice. <laughs> but it was always the sweetest little babies. And I remember walking out, and it was right after we had found out we weren't pregnant that month, and I remember sitting in my car in that parking spot at Kroger in the grocery store and thinking, okay, but what if we don't ever have a baby of our own? What if we don't ever get pregnant? And it was just a very sobering moment for me to just realize that God is still good, no matter if we He gives us a baby of our own or not, that He's still good. He's still going to be with me. He's still going to be with us. He's still going to do a great work. It's just coming to, to the the term, the terms that you have about your dreams and your dreams of being pregnant and all of that. So I just remember that moment of sitting in the car and just realizing, um, what if it doesn't happen, and coming to that realization. Mm-hmm. Um. So I remember at some point during the time of going to the hospital, leaving one morning. So that. The, the uh, all of the IUIs would be normally done in the morning and um, and we would be together for that and then when I would leave and go to work I can remember going down Walnut Grove and I saw this car that had a bumper sticker that said God's delay is not God's denial and uh, I remember calling Wren and telling her what I had just seen and clearly that had to been a message from God you know for encouragement because we were uh really discouraged and I think this particular one maybe it was it was after we had found out that it didn't work or whatnot there mm-hmm. something um, so it was some bad news that morning I remember and and remember reading that and calling you and telling you about it and then you saw the the same message at a different time and location right yeah I had seen that same bumper sticker that said God's delay is not God's denial I know it's in white letters with blue background and I remember you saying hey I saw this awesome bumper sticker um, as I was going to work and somehow I think you called me that afternoon or something somehow I saw the same bumper sticker the same car and you're like yeah white SUV and I was like yes white SUV and it was just, and we were in two different places of Memphis at that time, yeah. and we both saw it. And it was just God, I mean, that was our theme through the whole thing when we were struggling is God's delay is not God's denial. He does not deny you just because um, what you think that his will is for you at that moment is delayed. Yeah, so at that time I was doing some flights. I was working full-time as a manager, but I was also flying a lot of contract flying and yeah. and. uh it was some very long trips, and so I remember on those, those were like three-hour legs, three-and-a-half-hour legs, and uh, and I would take uh, the uh, iPod with me and listen to music. Well, our iTunes account downloaded everything that Ren downloaded, and then it was also everything I downloaded. So all uh, <laughs> there was a whole list of songs that Ren would download that were just sort of encouragement songs, uh, uh, Christian music encouragement songs, and... And I still have all of those on our playlist and uh, kind of go back to them because almost I, I think that, that our playlist, I have one that's in order of purchases and you can go in there and kind of see what time of life we were in just by mm-hmm. the songs we were picking mm-hmm. and listening to. And uh, I remember uh, the, the the morning that we found out that Ren was pregnant, it was uh, 
it was pouring down rain and, mm-hmm. and just storming like crazy outside. It was like 5 a.m. It was early because I remember waking up in the middle of the storm and thinking uh, we had a pool and that had a cover on, and and when it would rain real heavy, that the sometimes the pump would uh, not be running to pump that water off the cover. So I get up and go outside with the umbrella, and I'm out there mm-hmm. making sure that pump is running. And uh, Ren's in there using the bathroom doing a pregnancy test, and I come back in and. Uh, where did you meet me at in the house? I was at the edge of the hallway of the den and the hallway to the bedrooms. Right. And you were at the back door. Did you know I was going to take a pregnancy no. test? Okay. And uh, you were somewhat hysterical <laughs> in saying that you were pregnant or had a, had a positive test. And uh, I said, no, that can't be right. I was, <laughs> you know. Show me the proof. Show me the proof. So I looked at the thing. I was like. This thing's got to be wrong. You know, <laughs> here we are. Trial number... Yeah, four. Four. It was number four. So mm-hmm. that that was spread out over like... Years. A year or so. Probably a year and a half. Because we took lots of breaks in between because yeah. they, the, there was a lot of hormones, a lot of... Hmm. of um, not just with the shots, but just the, the nature of doing those protocols were... Where it was physically and emotionally straining, especially after you do one and you, you get negative results from it. Mm-hmm. But um, I was just like, I gotta, we gotta see another, we do another test, and maybe we, <laughs> we I was going and buying these dollar tests because we were doing so many of them. <laughs> I was like, I, we gotta have a better quality test. So yeah. I take off and go to Walgreens in the storm to get these <laughs> five a.m. five a.m. to get these, you know, these so-called digital tests because we uh-huh. all knew that you know just because they cost more they were a bit more accurate <laughs> and uh so i come back and we've got a picture of all of these tests <laughs> lined up and the, <laughs> and ren wrote the times on them uh-huh. and uh of when they were done and they're all positive mm-hmm. and uh so we boogie off to the doctor that morning for the blood test and, and I we could, we just showed up like you're supposed to call and then they right. say oh we'll come in yeah, no we, we're here no here we, we showed are. up and uh, and I remember the lady calling us back that uh, that afternoon and mm. and telling Ren, you know, that it's positive, it's a, it's a true test, and mm. that, and I can remember Ren asking, but but I really am pregnant, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that. And the lady said, "Oh yes, you're very pregnant." Mm. And uh, I wish we had kept that voice that voicemail. You because, know, I was just uh, thinking that I recorded it right on it, our flip flash. Flip. Yeah, it wasn't a voicemail. It was recorded, so maybe we still have that. Somewhere. Oh, I'd love to find that. Maybe we'll share that with the with yes, the group yes. if we can find it. If we can find um, it, that'd be awesome. So after that, so we found out we're pregnant. Um, we have a great pregnancy. Everything is going really well. I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm still working. I'm teaching and having a great time. The sweet kids, their moms, and Jim, they invited Jim secretly to come and give me a baby shower at school. It was sweet. We had a baby shower at his work. My friends gave me one. It was just a, the sweetest time. And um, my water broke one morning at 3.30 in the morning. We went to the do- went to the hospital and had our son at 3.16 that afternoon. And 
um, and things were were great. I mean, we everything was going well, and um, and I had Jim pro- provided and was able to give me extra time at home with the baby, and um, so I was home with him until about after spring break. I was going to go out and finish the year um, and continue on teaching the next year. What was hardest for you in going back to work after being home after Easton was born? You know, I remember the day um, I went back to work, and I remember just crying tears on the way, but they weren't tears of sadness and um, and anything like that, even though I was sad that I had to go back to work. But I just remember having those tears of just joy, of that God provided people to watch our baby that we trusted, that it was in their home. We knew them. We trusted them. Jim was able to take our son to them every morning. He had a flexible schedule, um, which was such a blessing that I didn't have to do that. He took that on himself. He he gave him his um, bottle before um, taking him and all that. So I just remember tears of just um, gratitude and joy um, and maybe a little joy that I was actually getting out of the house. <laughs> but um, the hardest part was that we knew that was what we were going to do. And, um, and I'll be honest, it was really hard for me to really submit to you in that way. Um, in the beginning, it was it was hard. I knew that's what we needed to do. We had tried every possible way for me to be able to stay home. And at that time, you were working for a nonprofit company, and I was working for a Christian school. Um, and it was just it was just difficult. It was not gonna it wasn't gonna happen. And so, I learned so much. I think the, at the beginning, I really was. Um, I was really fighting about it, just with with myself and maybe even with you. And then there came a time when I, right before I went back to work, and I had a day where my mom came. She had just started a, a new position at work right after um, our son was born, like the day, the next day. And um, she came over in February one time when I was about to have to go back to work in March. And I was really upset and just, I really want to stay. I really want to stay home. I want to take care of my baby. And um, and she said, Ren, you know, um, Jim has has worked so hard for you to have this extra time at home. He has done everything in his power that he can. And you are going to need to submit to him right now. And you are going to need to do this for Jim and for you. And, and as soon as I heard her say that of just the... Um, just the support that she had for us and also the support that I needed to give Jim. Um, It was amazing. It was amazing. And the times when I started praying for me to be able to stay home, God did a great work in my heart is that he was working on Jim, but he was working on my heart and just changing our circumstances. So I know we both had the desire for you to stay home, um, but uh, I think I was obviously looking at the budget, the monthly budget, and uh, knowing how much we needed to, uh, what the risk was of having a single income, especially working at a nonprofit. And I remember the whole time during our treatments for for, uh, infertility uh, that I was flying, all of this extra uh, side work I was doing, basically working seven days a week. And uh, I remember Ren had a surgery once. early on it was in December and and uh, I had taken off to be with her during the surgery and so did her parents I'll preface it with that 
<laughs> and uh, I had a call to, to do a trip. And uh, I probably shouldn't. No, you have story. to tell it. It's hilarious. Everyone's going to think I'm just the worst husband. They are, but you're not. You're the best. Well. <laughs> it's yeah. funny. All right. So I will say that I knew you had come out of the surgery. It was <laughs> my, I would say it was minor surgery. I was under the knife. How dare you? It was it was minor, I would say. And it I, was a laparoscopy. So yeah, that's that's uh, that's minor. That's minor. Okay. It's like an inch incision. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So. <laughs> I'll say that I knew you woke up. Okay. And I went back and checked on you. You were very loopy. Yes, I always am. And I knew you had somebody that was going to come and and uh, yes, and, and and pick you up. Yes, and then you said, "I got to go make money. Let's do this." I got a call. There was a there was an immediate need to have somebody fly some folks from here to Knoxville, and you're like, "Let's pay for the surgery." I was like, "We're going to pay. We're going to pay for it." <laughs> and so I came out and I told your parents, "I got to go. I'm out. I, I'm Tag, out. you're it. Tag, you're it." And I'm gone on a trip, and I and I, I get to Knoxville, and the, <laughs> and we were going to drive back, me and the other crew member. So you know, I'm driving back, and uh, and you're uh, back home, and and I just remember that, and I think back, I'm like, you know what, God provided, even though there was some uh, some crazy things that happened during that time. Yes. Uh, God provided the the funds to, to um, pay for all of that, and that was. That was a lot because I remember looking back over the the whole time at how much I was flying extra uh, and working full time and um, and even after Easton was born by that time I had built a client list up yeah um, enough to where I was constantly getting calls for mm-hmm. for pilot services which and, was great uh, which it was really good, good but it was also I, I it was that year and a half there when Easton was born that I was thinking you know this is not gonna last i cannot mm. be a dad working this much and uh mm-hmm. and it was about that time that i had been talking to some people about maybe uh getting back into flying full-time and uh one day i was driving to work one morning and got a call that mm-hmm. uh that they uh, one of the clients i'd worked for wanted me to come and, and, and be full-time with them and uh and that sort of Open the door to Ren uh, going part time, yes, and then and then being able to stay home full time. And you know that's the the coolest thing because we talked about God's delay is not God's denial, and how how God had directed our paths from you being in that job that was a nonprofit. However, so much experience and so much during that time, you went back and got your master's in business. So many things happen, even when. We, it didn't seem like anything was happening, and things that were learned at that time were were amazing. Um, and then how God's delay is not good, God's denial when we were praying for there to be a way for me to stay home. And his delay in that was not his denial. It was not at all. Um, we could see, if we could, we could only see underneath the surface of what was going on. And, you know, when we went, when I went part-time, you know, that doesn't, 
at the school I was at at that time, that doesn't didn't happen a lot. I mean, I don't think it ever happened in elementary school. Um, and they really did that for me and the teacher that um, that approached me about it. Now you were co-teaching, right? We were co-teaching, but yep. we were. I was there three days. She was there three days. One day we were there together. But God provided insurance for me. He for me and. And then I remember the night you came to me in February, and you came, and I was already asleep, I think, and you came and you said, okay, I know you've been doing part-time for a year or a, a few months. Um, it was in February, so it was about seven or eight months. And you said, I, well, I think I it's think time. contracts were, were, were due. Contracts were due. That's what it was. And we had, I had just been praying, and I really, I at the beginning, I was super naggy and super like, why can't I stay home? And da, 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 da. I mean, I was super naggy, okay? But then as time went on, God did a great work in my heart to say, close your mouth, run, and pray. And I did that, and I submitted, and I didn't, you know, I wasn't naggy anymore in that area. Maybe I was naggy about something else. But And then how you came to me that night in February, and I was already in bed. I was almost asleep, and you said, hey, I think when, it, you know, when the opportunity presents itself with your principal, I think you can tell her that um, you can quit. And I was like, Really? And you're like, yeah, I, I think so. And I I don't know how fast I ran in her office at 729 the next morning to tell her that I was able to quit because she had been praying, too, because she knew I desired that and Jim desired that as well. So it's just neat how God provided for that. Mm-hmm. Well, tell me a little bit about the, the podcast and what was so, what, how did you get an idea of wanting the podcast well I was driving home from work one day I think I was part-time at this point and I was coming driving home and I remember where I was I got off the interstate and got on the highway and I was driving and I was listening to a podcast and at that time when I had a young baby I did not really have time with friends I didn't make time and I see that now that I, I miss that but the people in the podcast I remember like the camaraderie I had with them even though they didn't know who I was and I didn't know them in real life, but just the the good times that I had listening to those podcasts, listening to those women, encouraging others, so many encouraging stories. And I remember God put it in my heart, and He was like, you have friends like this. You have people that have stories just like they do. You need to share these stories with everybody, with the world. You need to get these stories out. You need to tell the stories. And I was like, I don't know how to do that. I mean, I'm super, I know y'all think I'm extroverted, but I'm super introverted when it comes to meeting new people. I like to come in and know people. If I know people, hey, we're going to have a party. But if I don't know you, I'm going to kind of, I'm going to kind of, you know, kind of scope it out first. And I was like, I don't know anything about having a, doing a podcast. But I remember him bringing to mind about 33 women that I knew at that moment people that had encouraging amazing stories that I felt needed to be told well what was what was the scariest thing about starting one well I think putting yourself out there like I was I was so against social media for a long time like you know we were on Facebook for a long time and Instagram but once I got on Instagram I was like I gotta like this um but I didn't like to be to put myself out there. I just thought, ooh, that's a lot of judgy eyes looking at me or whatever. I don't know. I don't know what it was. What it was. I think that that was the scariest part for me. What's, well, tell us what you've learned the most about it. You know, um, the best thing I have learned through it is the friendships that I've made. The people that I didn't know 
that now I know. It could be friends of a friend or people that I just approached on Instagram and said, I've been following you for years. Would you come on my podcast and talk with me about your story? I, I think that's the best thing is the friendships that I've made. Um, but I love it. And it's I really feel like God has, God's given me a purpose in this. And I really um, I want to encourage. I want to share stories. And I want to, you know, I, I used to be pretty judgmental as a mom. And I remember seeing myself in that way. And I did not like it. And I was done with it. And I was like, I'm done with it. And I'm ready to encourage others. I'm ready to be encouraging. And... And that's why I started it. Well, I have to say I feel kind of like uh, Rush Limbaugh behind this microphone. I know you like it, don't you? I could get used to it. You could get used to it. I know you like you wanted to be in the power seat. I had to sit in the guest seat. Now he has a gold microphone. Well, can I, I paint it gold? Well, there is a gold stripe on it. See? Yeah. All right. This is free play. What uh, <laughs> do you want? To, <laughs> I love that. What do you want to ask me? That's not scripted. Ooh. See, he's very scripted, so this is unscripted. Okay, I'm going to ask you the three questions that I ask all my guests, okay? Are you ready? What is your favorite thing that you're eating right now? Favorite snack? Snack? Um, hmm, I haven't tried anything new lately, but I can tell you something that I've discovered lately that has been there all of the time, mm. but that I never knew about or never went there oh. so you know i've started this new job it's kind of like an eight to five thing monday through friday so every day everybody's going out to lunch and that's kind of the thing we do is we go get something to eat somewhere i have never been to firehouse subs mm. and i've discovered that place oh yes and i can't get enough of firehouse subs it's so good so good. So warm. Did they always make them warm? I think that's the thing. I'm not because it's used, firehouse. You know, we've always eaten at Lenny's, or we've always mm-hmm. rarely have a Subway, but yeah. but but mostly Lenny's. Yeah. And when you get a warm uh, turkey sandwich, toasted, toasted, it's fabulous. The cheese melted. Oh, that's good. It is. It's a good thing. It's it not is. near us. It is where we live. Okay. What do you What are you reading right now? I haven't been reading anything other than <laughs> instruction <policies> manuals <laughs> and procedures <laughs> at work. Okay. That's true. That's and true. Stuff on this new airplane. And y'all, if y'all saw the book that he did it, oh my word, y'all, it's he's so smart. Like I'm gonna brag. He's super smart. Like I'm reading that and I'm like, I don't even understand three of the words. I couldn't even pronounce three of the words in the sentence. What book? The book when you went to training a couple months ago. Oh, on the airplane, yeah. Just yeah. learning systems, and I was like, I got nothing. Like, thank goodness you're in the pilot seat, and I'm in the back saying, can I have some ginger ale, please? You know what I mean? Right. So, I, I think, you know, we were talking today at lunch about Kindles and mm-hmm. uh, all of this, you know, reading paper versus reading on a Kindle, and, and I think, you know, I don't really read a lot because I think I have to do it so much for work. Yeah. That yeah. when, mm-hmm. that's when you're, not that's not a form of recreation for me. And that's not how you relax. How you relax is you're working on a project in the garage with my hands. You're I, working I with like your hands. Working with my hands, and that's how I can sort of disconnect mm-hmm. um, from from the, uh, the the thoughts of work and and all of the things that's going on. And sometimes I'm like, come on, sit with me, veg on the couch, and you're like, 
and that's how you do it. You right. listen to music, and you and you do a project. Right now, he's staying in a table of ours, which I'm excited about. Okay, what is the favorite thing that you're loving these days that you can't stop talking about? Well, what comes to mind was when we did our trip to Texas. We were introduced to this Mountain Dew Baja Blast. Mm-hmm. Apparently, this is something that can be acquired at a Taco Bell. <laughs> we don't go there, so we, we didn't know. We never go there, so we didn't know. But <laughs> I'm telling you... This stuff is addicting. You do not want to know how much sugar uh-uh. is in it. Or caffeine. Or caffeine. Don't even look at that. But <laughs> it is so good. And we've only been able to find it. Dollar General. At Dollar General. It wasn't a dollar, but yeah. It's not at Kroger. Nope. It's not at Walmart. Nope. Mm-mm. And it's called Baja Blast. So yes. it's, it has to be the Baja Blast, which... It's got lime in it. Yeah. It's, 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 it's very... Uh, it doesn't taste like really like Mountain Dew to me. Mm. Well, I'm glad you like it. It's um, that's your love language right summer, now. It's a summer cocktail of goodness. <laughs> is what it is. Love it. I'm so glad. Hey, thanks for coming on the podcast and chatting with me about our story. Absolutely. Remember, we're all friends of a feather. So let's stick together. Thank you. I love you. I love you. Okay, friends, if you could do my wife a favor and like her podcast by going to the podcast app and searching for Friends of a Feather and giving her a five-star review, I would greatly appreciate it. Oh my goodness, that was so much fun. Jim did so good. I was so impressed. Oh, and here are some bloopers for you. You're amazing. I know. (laughs) (laughs) next time and i'll say see you next time thanks so much see you next time bye guys y'all come back now you hear (laughs) and if you're recorded that was ren's belly growling (laughs) we just ate an hour ago